For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up? Welcome to the Los Angeles Dodgers podcast on the Believe Network. I'm J.P. Hornster with the Southern California News Group. Happy Tuesday. I hope you enjoyed your rare double holiday Sunday, Father's Day, and Juneteenth all in one. I know that was a three-day weekend for many of you, so I took an extra day to post this week's episode, and I'm glad I did, because the Dodgers made a trade on Monday. You can talk about the newest member of the team. There will be more roster moves coming, because the Dodgers won't be allowed to carry more than eight relief pitchers starting Tuesday. We can talk about that. And Mookie Betts isn't going to be patrolling right field anywhere for at least a couple weeks. And that's the big news of the week right there. Fractured rib. Minimum 15 days on the injured list. And I think it's interesting to contrast losing Mookie Betts to losing Walker Buehler, who is potentially going to be out of action until September. Talked about him on the last episode. Now... In the span of a couple weeks, the Dodgers have lost arguably their best position player and their best pitcher. But when Bueller went on the IL with his forearm issue, Andrew Friedman did not feel the need to make a trade right away. He knew Andrew Heaney was coming back from IL soon. He knew he had Mitch White at AAA. Bueller is facing a longer-term injury than the cracked rib Mookie Betts played through on Wednesday. But the Dodgers are not one injury away from needing to trade for another pitcher. They're more like two or three injuries away. The lineup? Well, that's a different story. Forgive me for banging the drum again on something I said in a recent episode, but the depth on the position player side just isn't there this year. The 2022 Dodgers are not the 2016 Dodgers that Trace Thompson was able to impact in the first half. The 2022 Dodgers are a top-heavy team on the position player side. The gap between their best hitter and their fifth best hitter is pretty big. The gap between their fifth best hitter and their tenth best hitter is also kind of big. And the gap between their tenth best hitter and their fifteenth best, well, right now that's the difference between Austin Barnes and Eddie Alvarez. Maybe that doesn't sound like much, but I will point out to you that Austin Barnes has 20 career hits in the postseason. Eddie Alvarez has 22 career hits. Period. Once Edwin Rios needed the injured list and Kevin Pillar suffered his season-ending shoulder injury, 
the Dodgers were then one injury away from needing to trade for either an infielder or an outfielder. Now Mookie Betts has a cracked rib. Dodgers trade for Trace Thompson. I'll say this for Trace Thompson. He is one of the nicest and most accommodating athletes I have ever covered. Michael raised his kids well. Trace was also a pretty good major league hitter for the first half of the 2016 season. He was a fourth outfielder type, and in limited action, he hit 13 home runs in 80 games. Then he hurt his back, missed the rest of the season, came back to the Dodgers next year, and was never the same. Got DFA'd in 2018, he got picked up by the Yankees, then he went to the A's, then the White Sox, then Cleveland, then the D-backs, then the Cubs, then the Padres, then the Tigers, and now back to the Dodgers in exchange for cash. Were you keeping track of all that? Did you catch it? That's nine organizations in a little more than four years. Trace Thompson has an interesting profile, literally, in that he has very long limbs. His dad and his brother chose basketball for a good reason. Now Thompson, he can cover the outside part of the plate with power, but if you pitch him inside, there's a lot of swing and miss there if you sequence him just right. I remember covering one spring training game at Camelback Ranch, and on the way in, I ran into a scout who had crossed paths with Trace on the scouting trail. I said, yeah, the game starts in 20 minutes, and Trace Thompson has already struck out twice. Now, this scout cracked up, but it was true because there was a B game going on and I had just seen Thompson strike out for the second time before I walked over to the main field. Still, to play for that many teams, there has to be a reason why all of those teams wanted Trace Thompson. And you look at this year, he has crushed left-handed pitching at AAA. Slash line of 310, 375, 881 against lefties. Compared to 278, 341, 595, not too shabby against righties. We are missing data for one minor league game, but that's mostly complete. So the plan is for the Dodgers to platoon Trace Thompson and Eddie Alvarez, who hits left-handed, out in right field. Now, call me crazy, but I actually don't hate this plan. Moogie Betts is not going to miss all that much time, we figure, so you don't want to sell the farm for a player who won't necessarily have a roster spot a month from now. And if the Dodgers do this correctly, Betts comes back, Edwin Rios comes back, you don't ever have to see Eddie Alvarez or Trace Thompson in a starting lineup unless another injury crops up. You will see Trace Thompson's shortcomings play out at some point because he's effectively a quad-A player. A quadruple-A player is not quite a minor leaguer, but he's not quite a major leaguer either. It's a term that you use to capture a narrow class of ball player who's just good enough to hang around at the fringe of 40-man rosters for a long time. Does anybody remember the participants in the original trade that brought Trace Thompson to L.A.? December 2015, the Dodgers trade Brandon Dixon, Jose Peraza, and Scott Shebler to the Reds. The Reds trade Todd Frazier to the White Sox. 
And the White Sox traded Thompson, Frankie Montas, and Micah Johnson to the Dodgers. The three players that the Dodgers traded, Dixon, Peraza, and Shebler, have been worth 1.7 wins above replacement between the three of them in six-plus years since. Most of that is from Shebler. He's got some power from the left-hand batter's box, currently at AAA with the Rockies. I give Peraza credit. He's got 2,000 at-bats in his career. That's 2,000 more than me. Won't say anything too bad about him. Positive wins above replacement. Frankie Montas became a front-of-the-rotation pitcher, just not with the Dodgers. Took him a long time to get healthy and settle in. The A's had to be really patient with him, but they could afford it. And meanwhile, Thompson and Johnson, they never added up to much as Dodgers. Micah Johnson ended up fashioning his career as a world-famous artist, so I'd say he's doing okay. As for Thompson, now his Dodgers legacy isn't over. He can add to it. See what that looks like. The good news for Thompson and for Alvarez when he's in there is that they have a pretty low bar to clear, considering what Betts had done at the plate recently. He was one for his last 39 in June. That's a 523 OPS. Mookie wasn't alone. Justin Turner in June, 480 OPS, zero home runs. Max Muncy and Cody Bellinger in June, both hitting below 200, both had a negative offensive war. That's the bad. Trey Turner starting to heat up. Gavin Lux is having a quietly solid month. I like what Will Smith has done since moving up in the lineup. Talked about this. He really was snakebitten. Looked like it when the baseballs came out dead in April. That's gotten better lately. But those are really the only guys who've been pulling their weight. And you wonder who else can help. Eddie Alvarez and Kevin Pillar were the best hitters in the farm system when they got called up. I don't know if the Dodgers think Miguel Vargas is ready. He's a corner infielder. He's 22. A consensus top 100 prospect. Right now he's got an 850 OPS at AAA. Justin Turner has a 620 OPS and it's June 21st. And you wonder how much more of that the Dodgers will take before they consider calling up Vargas. Like I said, it's a top-heavy lineup. It's a thin bench. They've got to find offensive depth somewhere. And without Mookie Betts, it's going to get tested. But I want to shift to the bullpen because I think the bullpen is about to get tested more. Starting today, teams are carrying only 13 pitchers. That's five starters and eight relievers. And if you've been watching the Dodgers since they left Brooklyn, you're probably wondering, well, what's the big deal? 13 pitchers is plenty. Well, relief pitchers nowadays are trained to go all out for one inning at a time. That's it. That's the world we're living in. The number of starting pitchers who get to pitch to hitters three times in one game is getting pretty low. And the number of starters who get to pitch to an opponent four times in one game, well, that you can almost count on one hand. Actually, I wanted to look this up. So thanks to Baseball References Stathead Tool, we know that Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins 
is leading this category. There have been 23 at-bats against Sandy Alcantara the fourth time through the order in 2022. Going down the list, Martin Perez, Framber Valdez, Patrick Corbin, and Shane Bieber. Okay, Merrill Kelly, Michael Lorenzen. The Dodgers leader in this category is Tyler Anderson. Do you know how many at-bats there have been against Tyler Anderson by somebody hitting for the fourth time in a game? Five. Closely followed by Walker Buehler with four. That's it. No other pitcher has gotten through a lineup three times. Dave Roberts said, okay, you know what? Go back out there. Pitch to the leadoff hitter again. The Dodgers are very aggressive in how they ration their innings this year. Just for fun, I looked this up. The all-time single season leader in this category. Don't stop me. I know you don't know this. Mickey Lolich of the 1971 Detroit Tigers. Lolich started 40 games that year. He finished 29. 29 complete games. That's ridiculous. He pitched 376 innings. Nobody will ever do that again. There were 327 at-bats against Mickey Lolich by hitters appearing the fourth time in a game. 327. And this year, Sandy Alcantara is going to lead baseball with like 50. So every team is going to have to adjust to this eight reliever world a little bit. I think the Dodgers are going to have to adjust a lot. Alex Vesia had never gotten more than three outs in a game this season until last week. He did it against the Guardians. And the timing of this is not a coincidence. Dave Roberts has to see if he has the horses to adjust to this eight reliever world. Caleb Ferguson has never done it this year. The Dodgers are playing his workload very cautiously because he didn't pitch in 2021. Now, it came out late Monday that on the transactions page, the Dodgers placed Caleb Ferguson on the 15-day IL with an unspecified injury. Clever timing. I don't think that's a coincidence. Craig Kimbrell is not going to get stretched beyond one inning if Dave Roberts can avoid it. I asked him earlier this week. Everybody else, though, is going to get asked to throw more than one inning from time to time. And I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. This is one reason why I wanted to write about Yancy Almonte, which I did on the off day. Almonte was a hard-throwing starter in the Rockies minor league system as recently as 2018. He has really reinvented himself this year with the Dodgers, and I hope you'll go check that story out. It's posted to my Twitter account and my Facebook, at JP Hornstra, as well as the OC Register and LA Daily News homepages. Almonte is one of the keys to this whole operation because he's been just as effective pitching two innings as he is pitching one. I don't know how many guys like that exist in bullpens around the league, but I think it has the potential to be huge for the Dodgers. Some of you out there were wondering if David Price would make the cut. Seems like he will once Caleb Ferguson's IL stint becomes official. I actually think you could argue that Price is just as important to how the Dodgers adjust to an eight-reliever world 
just as much as Almonte. Price is 36 years old. He's probably not a guy that Dave Roberts wants to use in high leverage situations. But if the starting pitcher's out of the game and the Dodgers are trailing, I wouldn't be surprised to see David Price take down a few innings at a time. He can basically be something close to a classic long reliever. And actually, I think every team is going to need a guy like that. It would be nice if that pitcher had minor league options. Price doesn't. That's a bit of a governor. We'll see how that plays out long term. I talked to Dodgers bullpen coach Josh Bard about shifting to an eight-man bullpen. The Dodgers had a 10-man bullpen somewhat recently. Uh, because for two years, MLB's just been kicking the can down the road on imposing this roster limit. Well, here we are. It's finally here. And here's what Bard told me on Saturday. Bullpens are getting a lot smaller, not just for you guys, but for every team. And it's critically important that you have a few somebody who can throw more than an inning. Absolutely. Um, how much more valuable does NC Almonte become? Absolutely. I mean, honestly, we were talking about this this offseason because we knew that this was coming down the road. I'm like, yeah. I think that moving forward in baseball, I think that the starters will throw shorter, the relievers will throw longer. And that's kind of going to be the way that it is. Like, you know, you're going to have your, you know, unicorn starters that go three times through the lineup that are really, really, really good. But those guys cost $35 million a year. And that's the reality of it is. And if that guy breaks, which happens when you're a starter, I mean, it's just, you know, so it's like teams are starting to figure out, like, do we want to allot resources into three bullpen guys that can go multiple innings? And we have a lot more optionality of, like, how to do this in the day in and day out. So, I, I mean... There's a lot of really smart people that are upstairs that are trying to like stay ahead of the curve and you know with the new balls and all the I mean there's there's a lot of moving pieces right now in baseball but the thing that's so great about it is like we were talking about this last night is like you hate to lose the game and it sucks and all those things but it's like baseball still is baseball like taking an extra base scoring a guy from third like doing the thing like those are still, and when we look back to the playoff games, like when we won the World Series in 20 and then when we lost in the NLCS last year, it was a one run here and a play there. And, a, you know, and that's what I think the people that truly love baseball still get excited about is that every night it's going to be something different. Right. You know, and that that's right. what, you know, for a guy that's been in this game for 25 years, like that's what makes me excited every day. Because if, if it's not, it's like you're playing a video game and trying to hit a green dot. You know, and so right. they're still humans and they're still players, and and so yeah. Y'all get swept by the Giants and yeah. they, they lose to the Royals. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We got swept. We got swept at home by the Pirates. Right. You know, and that's right. the thing is like you still got to go out there and play the game. Thank you, Josh Bard. That was from Saturday. Looking ahead to the week, the Dodgers are in Cincinnati for three games, then on to Atlanta for three games. Colorado for three games, then coming back home. No off days between any of those. They got 20 games in a stretch of 20 days. I'll check back in with a new episode after the finale in Atlanta. That's an ESPN Sunday night broadcast. I already got the email from ESPN PR, and I think maybe they're going to play up the Freddie Freeman returns to Atlanta angle. Maybe. We'll see. Just giving y'all the heads up. That'll be it for me this week. 
Watch your flexor tendons, folks. Watch your rib cages. Don't let them get hurt. Take care of yourselves. Until next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.